So how's that for a blast from the past, huh? Hello and welcome to episode 200 of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and this is episode 200. <sighs> episode 200. You know, guys, and I'm going to circle back to this before too long, but guys, I got to tell you, I guess as far as getting to 200 episodes, I never had a single doubt in my mind that I was capable of doing that. Because as many of you know, when I first started up doing Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, I had this huge list of topics and whatnot, you know, different things that I wanted to talk about and uh, cover on this show. And... So because of that, I mean, unless I just gave up, it never occurred to me that it was even possible that I'd run out of shit to talk about, and sure enough, I haven't. And I guess one of the reasons that you're hearing the song that you're hearing right now, you know, my original theme song, is I've been listening to a lot of Dream Theater. Uh, albums lately, and for those of you who don't know, the song that you're listening to right now is, it's it's called Overture 1928, and it comes from Dream Theater's uh, Scenes from a Memory album from 1999, and at least for me, you know, I happen to think that Dream Theater really turned a corner when it comes to the quality of their music, they really turned a corner with their scenes from a memory album. And ever since that time, every single album they release has been better than the last. Everything is, every new album is better than the one that came before. And they started off pretty fucking good to begin with. So, I mean, this is some pretty significant I think, some pretty significant improvements that they're making as they go along. So, anyway, that's part of the reason why you're you're hearing Overture 1928 right now. It's just, I love that song, and it's, I don't know, it's been a favorite of mine literally since the day this album came out. So, anyway. Now, guys, when it comes to episode 200, I had... Honestly, I didn't really have a whole lot of good ideas on what to do or how to do it. You know, it seemed to me that there needed to be some kind of gimmick for episode 200. But, you know, it nothing was really coming to mind, you know? I mean, ages and ages ago, the idea that I had, and I'm going to try to put this as respectfully as I can, but the original idea that I had for episode 200 was I wasn't even going to be on the show, right? I was basically going to have some friends of mine in the podcasting community talking about me as though I was dead, you know? And, you know, wasn't it great when Magnus did that? Wasn't it great when Magnus did this? Wasn't it funny when XYZ happened? You know, all that. And I thought, you know, I think that's a kind of funny thing to do, you know, episode 200, but I'm not even on it. It's just everybody else, you know, and they're, and they're sort of paying tribute to me, but not really. And I'm dead and all that. And, you know, I thought that would be kind of a funny thing to do, you know? 
And it kind of reminded me of that movie, uh, Gia, starring Angelina Jolie. It kind of reminded me of that movie, uh, Gia, and and everything. But it just seemed like it. what I had in mind was going to be different enough from Gia to be not exactly a ripoff. I mean, it's not exactly original, but it's not exactly a ripoff either, you know? And so that really was, you know, probably what I would have done for episode 200. But as many of you know, um, a friend of mine, Sean Engel, uh, passed away. And it after that time, it seemed to me that joking about anybody dying, that's just kind of a tasteless thing to do now, you know? And so I abandoned that idea. And honestly, I mean, I don't really think it was all that good an idea anyway, but, you know, Sean Engel's uh, passing, it just sort of ruined the joke for me. You know, I mean, assuming that it's even all that funny a joke to begin with, it kind of ruined that for me as a joke. And so I'm not trying to, again, I mean, I'm trying to be respectful here. I'm not trying to make light of what happened, but, you know, it did kind of, leave me somewhat in the lurch that I didn't really have an idea for episode 200 anymore. And then one of the things that I've realized is I've got a lot of things to say about a lot of different things. But the thing is, guys, a lot of a lot of these a lot of these different opinions and whatnot they don't really merit having an entire episode to themselves. And so I thought it might be kind of fun to spend an episode just talking about a bunch of different random bullshit, you know? And that might be a kind of a fun way to spend my time for episode 200. So that's what I'm doing. Now, one of the questions that you guys email in all the time, or it comes up on the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group, or just wherever. Uh, one of the questions that a lot of you guys seem to have is, what does Magnus think of the Arrowverse? And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, when I say Arrowverse, I mean all of those uh, superhero shows, those DC Comics superhero shows that are on uh, the CW, right? Those are Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, and DC Legends of Tomorrow, right? What does Magnus think about each of those shows? And the answer to that, like I say, it's not really going to occupy an entire episode unto itself, but we can get into that here a little bit. So to start, as far as Arrow is concerned, I was on the record pretty early on for not really being open to the idea of Arrow, especially in its original incarnation when they kind of wanted to do a sort of a Chris Nolan type of a thing with the Green Arrow and <clears throat> I guess use some of the trappings of the Green Arrow, but not make it too comic booky, right? And so you had a character that was more or less the Green Arrow, I guess, but it was taking place in this relatively grounded and realistic type of world and all of that. And it just didn't seem to me, based upon having seen nothing, you understand, it just didn't really seem 
all that interesting to me, you know? This didn't seem like something I would be very interested in, you know? And at least as far as the first season's concerned, what little I've ever seen of the first season of Arrow, I think that that's... I think that my opinion has merit to it, you know? I really don't think that show and what it was trying to be during its first season... I don't think that's something that I would have enjoyed in the long term, right? And honestly, I mean, I don't want this to to sound like I'm I'm too purist or anything because Green Arrow is one of those characters I've just never given a shit about, you know? I've never really cared about the Green Arrow. So the fact that uh, an Arrow TV show that comes out may or may not be very similar to the Green Arrow in comics. I don't care. I really don't care. So it doesn't really bother me that the show may have minor or even significant divergences from what a lot of people have come to enjoy about Green Arrow comics. I don't care about that. So it's not really about that. It's more about style. You know, I was kind of, especially at the time, I was a little... Uh, fed up with realistic superheroes, you know? I wanted to see something that was a little bit more embracing of the fact that, yes, this is a comic book, you know? And it just seemed to me that I was barking up the wrong tree with, with Arrow on that. So I just didn't really see what it was worth to me to to pay very much attention to Arrow. Now, that ended up sort of changing a little bit. Number one, just because the overall style and presentation of the show really did change, starting with the the second season and then going forward. But the other thing was I started watching Arrow on a kind of itinerant basis with my girlfriend, Stacy. She and I, we, we would watch Arrow together, and she would tune in for basically every episode, whereas I, if I happened to be home and and I felt like watching Arrow, yeah, fine, fuck it, I'll I'll watch Arrow, you know? But I wasn't necessarily following every single episode, you know? And I forget what season it was, but it was basically the season when uh, Laurel Lance becomes uh, Black Canary. That was the season where I actually did start watching the show on an irregular basis. I mean, if I missed a show, if I missed one of the episodes, oh well, no big deal. Although if I managed to catch the episode, well, hey, I I would get to see Laurel Lance running around in that skin-tight black leather outfit and rah, rah, rah. You know, I mean, you can't really turn off, uh, I guess, your inner guy sometimes, you know? So, you know, oh, like the way that it is right now, I guess, you know, I like the show. I don't really care if I see every episode. You know, it's, I guess it's a decent show. I'm not really invested in it. It's fun, I guess. I just don't really care about it. And honestly, a lot of that really goes back to the fact that the show in question is The Green Arrow, you know? And... When the show was first announced, and indeed, really to this day, it kind of bothers me that the Arrowverse hasn't been more experimental with the characters that they feature, because a lot of 
the core characters of the Arrowverse are basically characters that, in some cases, made their live-action debut on Smallville. And it just seemed like a lot of this was sort of playing it safe, you know? There was an Arrow, a, a Green Arrow TV show, because the Green Arrow was a popular character on Smallville, you know? And I might have wanted to see a different character brought to uh, brought to the small screen, you know? I'd like to see somebody else, you know, given a turn here. You know, maybe a different character uh, could have been adapted in place of Arrow, like The Question. You know, how awesome would a Question TV show be, you know? And obviously that hasn't happened, at least so far, right? But I, it just seemed to me that there were opportunities that the showrunners of, I don't know, well, maybe not even the show showrunners, but the executives at, there were opportunity um, opportunities that the executives at the CW had, and it's like they just weren't taking those opportunities, you know? I mean, in theory, they could have made a TV show about anybody they wanted, so why did it have to be the Green Arrow, you know? And that's really the point. And really, that kind of holds true for a lot of these characters. But anyway, so that's pretty much it for, for Arrow. I mean, I, I dig it. I really like the uh, some of the, the, the fanboy uh, tips of the hat that come along sometimes. But, you know, overall, this isn't a show that I'm all that invested in. If I happen to catch an episode, that's great. If I happen to miss an episode, oh well. You know, I don't, I just, I don't care about the show. You know, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm just kind of right there in the middle. You know, I could take or leave it really. So next up comes the flash. And this is probably for me, the best of the bunch in that sometimes what happens with these comic book characters is they get kind of stuck in a rut. And I think that's really true of Barry Allen, where a lot of a lot of comics fans, and this includes me at times, but a lot of comics fans pigeonhole a character like this is what he is and this is all he can ever be. And and so because of that, you don't necessarily think creatively about who this character is and what his potential might be. But I'm of the opinion that given a long enough period of time, every single... A comic book character is eventually going to have his time in the sun. You know, there's going to be somebody that comes along who gets that character. And a good example of what I mean is Jeff Johns on Green Lantern. Jeff Johns gets Hal Jordan. You know, he gets Hal Jordan in a way that I don't think just anybody probably ever really ever has, you know? There's probably nobody who's ever really gotten Hal Jordan the way that Jeff Johns does, you know? And I really like that. You know, I like Jeff Johns' uh, take on Hal Jordan, you know? Or here's another one, Garth Ennis on The Punisher. Guys, there have been a lot of writers who have written Punisher stories over the years, but there's some kind of magical alchemy or something that takes place when Garth Ennis writes a Punisher story. And he, he took that character in directions I never even thought were possible, you know? And 
where I'm going with all of this is to say that I think the same thing really holds true with Barry Allen on The Flash, the TV show, right? Starring Grant Gustin, for accuracy's sake. And this is a fun character, but the the risk that you run in in writing Barry Allen as being too lighthearted is that he might start stepping on Wally uh, Wally West's toes, and basically what you have are characters that are maybe a little too similar to one another, and so what the showrunners and writers behind the Flash have done is they've basically written Barry as a guy that's. He's fairly easygoing, he's fairly lighthearted, but he's very serious about what he does. He is committed to being the best that he can be, you know? And there's an ideal that he's trying to live up to. And in his case, it's a completely abstract ideal. It's all in his mind, you know? He has fashioned for himself, in his imagination, the ideal conception of what a hero is supposed to be, you know? And that's not something that I think is really true of Wally in general. You know, even even when Wally kind of got over his obsession with Barry Allen's legacy, he was still trying to emulate Barry, you know? And that's kind of, in a way, that's kind of Wally's curse. Whereas Barry, his, his ideals are a little bit more abstract. Whereas Wally's are always going to be a lot more specific. You know, and that's one of the things that I think can really set the two of them apart. Wally can be easygoing and lighthearted full-time, whereas Barry, yeah, he can crack the occasional joke, but when it comes right down to it, he's not a screw-up the way that Wally could sometimes be. You know, he's committed to, to being a hero in a way that I just don't think Wally is necessarily. You know, does that make sense? And so... Basically, what I'm saying is the, the showrunners and the writers behind The Flash have found this really interesting middle ground between Barry Allen, as he's always been in the comics, versus running the risk of getting too close to Wally West and making a fun, lighthearted character. They've kind of split the difference between those two approaches in a way that I think is really cool. And I think The Flash is probably the best of the Arrowverse shows. You know, it's a really well done show. It's really well written. It's a lot of fun. I dig it. You know, definitely this one's my favorite. <sighs> Next up is Supergirl. Guys, some of you listening to this, you may be huge fans of Supergirl, the TV show. And for that, I apologize in advance for what I'm about to say, but I just don't fucking get this show, okay? I really don't. You know, people keep saying that, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Supergirl's so awesome. I fucking love Supergirl. Supergirl, 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 you know? What is the big deal about this show? I mean, first off, Supergirl, which is to say Kara, and that's her fucking name, by the way. I'm not going to follow the stupid-ass... Uh, TV show pronunciation of, uh, of her name. Her name is Kara. Kara, one of the gripes I've always had about Kara in the comics, and especially in the in the Silver Age, is that there's no there there, you know? 
there was really nothing to distinguish Kara from Superman, you know? She was basically a female version of Superman, kind of a feminized Superman, especially in the Silver Age, you know? And it's like DC just never really knew what to do with that character, you know? And I'm pleased to say that, yes, Kara is a little bit more of an original character in Supergirl. You know, she is not, by any means, a female version of Super of uh, Superman. You know, she is her own character. She's her own person, you know? And she's inspired by her cousin, but she's not a feminized version of her cousin. She is her own person, and I like that. You know, it... it you know, when I watch the show, which isn't very often, but when I watch the show, it makes it easier for me to invest in Kara on a personal level based upon the fact that she's not a blonde girl version of Superman in a skirt. She has her own she has her own goals. She has her own agenda. She has her own ideals. She has her own dreams, you know, and she's inspired by Superman, but she's not beholden to Superman. You know, her identity is not based on Superman. The decisions that she makes are not motivated by Superman. You know, she's... Honestly, this is the way to write Kara, if you ask me. You know, I've said before, I've kind of hinted at how much I enjoy Kara on Smallville and the differences in worldview that Kara has versus what Clark has and the conflicts and stuff that come from that. That's another way of making Kara her own character and distinguishing her from Clark, you know, on Smallville. And I really like the way that Smallville handled Kara. And I really like the way that the Supergirl show handles uh, Supergirl, right? I think it's extremely well done. Having said that, you know, people talk about just how fucking amazing this show is. And guys, I just don't see it. You know, I really don't. You know, a good number of of the comics storylines that get adapted into Supergirl, the show. These are these in my opinion, they kind of do uh, Kara as she's presented on the show, they kind of do her a disservice and that they basically adapt Superman stories, but then swap Kara in for them. You know, they basically replace Superman in those stories with Supergirl. And that kind of works against this character that they've created. That is her own character. You know, she is not just a female Superman. She is her own. Like I said a second ago, she's her own person, you know? And it's like, they undermine that by, basically taking a Superman story that everybody seems to love and then just replacing Superman with Supergirl. Cause Hey, close enough. Right. So I don't know, whatever. It's just, I don't like that. You know, it just, it bugs the shit out of me. I mean, number one, it makes it less likely for a Superman version of those stories to get, to get made anytime soon. But it also, like I say, it, it, it cheapens and undermines the character development that they've invested in, in Supergirl and making her, an independent character. It's like they're kind of sending mixed messages there, you know? And then the other thing is, like, the majority of her supporting cast in some way or another comes directly, and I mean lifted fucking directly, from Superman comics. I mean, you've got Jimmy Olsen, and yeah, that's the guy's name. I don't give a shit what they call him on the TV show. His name's Jimmy Olsen. 
And I don't even like Jimmy as a character. I think the guy's just fucking annoying on the show. All right. I mean, you guys can call that whatever you want. I don't care. Okay. I think he's fucking annoying. All right. I mean, he, he doesn't act like Jimmy from the comics. He doesn't look like Jimmy from the comics. He doesn't have the same motivations as Jimmy from the comics. You know, literally the only decision that the showrunners have made that I really approve of is basically letting Jimmy Olsen in on Superman's secret identity, right? That is the only decision they've ever come close to making that I really approve of. Everything else about Jimmy Olsen on that show can fuck off and die in a fire as far as I'm concerned. So, anyway. Um, and, and speaking of Superman, as it relates to Supergirl on the show, I mean, you, you see it on, on Facebook all the time, you know, that people say, man, why can't we get a spinoff version starring this, uh, a spinoff TV show star starring this version of Superman? Rah, rah, rah. You know, guys, I'll fuck, I'll, I'll tell you why, okay? What you guys need to understand is that there are basically two different ways that you can write Superman as a character, all right? You can write Superman as a leading character, right? And in the modern context, you've got to give Superman a struggle to overcome, you know? Not just physical. There's got to be some kind of emotional struggle, some kind of psychological struggle. There's got to be um, maybe a moral struggle. You know, he's got to struggle against something, and then he's got to triumph against it, you know? There... It's just writing 101. You know, your lead character, something needs fixing. And then by the end of the story, that something is fixed. You know, that's, that's how you write stories, right? You can't just have a character not undergo character development, right? And I mean this in the sense of a novel or a feature film, right? For things that are more episodic, like a TV show or an issue of a comic book, you don't necessarily need to to give the, the lead character some titanic struggle that he has to overcome. It doesn't necessarily work that way in, in, um, sorry, I said episodic, sorry. In, uh, in, uh, serialized stories, it doesn't really work that way. You know, you can have a character that basically, a lead character that basically reacts to what's going on around him in a serialized story, like a comic book or like a TV show or whatever. But in episodic things like a, like a uh, feature film, for example, or a novel, like a prose novel. In general, what you need to do is present your lead character and then give him a problem, right? There's something about him that's broken. There's something about him that needs fixing, right? You introduce that in the beginning of the story. During the story, he struggles with that to varying degrees. And then by the end of the story, He's fixed whatever needs fixing, right? That's writing, all right? And the reason I'm being kind of a pain in the ass about this is because, guys, that's how you write any lead character, including Superman. That's why in a lot of uh, Superman movies, not so much Superman the movie, but in Superman 2, Superman 3, Superman 4, uh, Superman Returns, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman... The story starts with Superman having a problem. Something needs fixing. And then as the story progresses, that something that needs fixing gets fixed, right? That is how 
you write a lead character in uh, in an episodic type of story, right? That's how it is done. And that's how Superman is going to be written when he's a lead character. When Superman is a supporting character or a guest star, he doesn't have the same uh, dramatic requirements that he has as a lead character. You can write traditional Superman, whatever the fuck that even means. You can do traditional Superman piece of cake when he's a supporting character, right? And Prosecution's Exhibit A is Superman as he was presented in The Brave and the Bold, you know? He wasn't written dark. He wasn't written um, in any way that's really anything other than traditional Superman, quote unquote, right? And so for a while there, even I kind of fell into the trap of why can't we get this on an ongoing basis? Well, the reason why you can't get that on an ongoing basis is because it's fucking boring, okay? If you write Superman that way whenever he's the lead character, the perfect uh, problem-free, flawless uh, character, it's fucking boring, all right? And one of the things that Zack Snyder takes a lot of shit for is that he gave Superman problems in Batman v Superman. But guys, Superman is his main problem in Batman v Superman is that the world around him, for whatever reason, they're still getting their heads around the idea of who Superman is and what he's here to do. Superman is basically traditional Superman, whatever the hell that means. He's so, he he's just bothered by the fact that people don't trust him, you know? He's never given them any reason not to trust him, and yet they don't trust him, you know? He doesn't make bad decisions uh, during uh, Man of Steel or Batman v Superman. He's not written uh, as evil. He's not given a drinking problem. He's not a heroin addict or anything like that. He's basically who he's always been. He just inhabits a world that hasn't fully embraced him yet. And that's something that Zack Snyder has gotten completely pilloried for, you know? And you can love that approach or you can hate it, but what you need to recognize is that you cannot write traditional Superman, the way that he's been presented on Supergirl. You cannot write that character as the lead character. I seriously doubt that there's going to be a Superman spinoff from Supergirl but if there is, you can rest assured, he's going to be written differently in an ongoing show versus what you've seen in Supergirl, at least so far, right? I fucking promise you, right? First off, it's just, it's not likely to happen. But second, if it does, guys, mark my words and then give them back to me later, uh, later on. I promise you. If a Superman spinoff comes out of Supergirl, he will not be written the same way that you've seen him on Supergirl so far. Mark my fucking words. Anyway. Like I was saying, though, the supporting cast on Supergirl comes, I think, very close to 100% from Superman comics, right? Alex, I don't know about. But all the rest, um, you've got Jimmy Olsen, um, uh, you've got Cat Grant, 
Winslow Shot, the Luthers, etc., etc., etc. These characters are either completely original for the TV show, or else they come directly from Superman comics, right? Monel, there's another one. And guys, I mean, what's so fucking cool about that? You know, again, it kind of undermines what what Kara is on this show, that she is completely her own person. She's completely independent from, from Superman. And her character, as she's been presented, is not beholden to him. I would say really at all. And yet that message is constantly being undermined, not just with the stories, but also with her supporting cast. You know, Supergirl is probably the most well-written or the most well-respected or something. I don't, I don't really even really know how to phrase it, but she's probably the character that the writers have invested the most uh, TLC in, in terms of adapting her in a way that is entertaining and makes her unique and independent and special in her own regard for reasons that have nothing whatsoever to do with Superman. And I cherish that, but it's like that same thing that like that very idea, that concept is being constantly undermined with the stories, with her supporting cast, where they go with the story. And guys, I got to tell you again, I don't really care if this bothers anybody or not. I am really sick and fucking tired of the political metaphors that they're working with on, uh, on, on Supergirl, you know, the, uh, the, the immigration metaphor that they're working with. And then, uh, the other week, uh, Terry Hatcher was on there and she actually said, Matt, make Daxum great again. And I'm just fucking fed up with that guys. I really am. That is just such cheap hack writing and it's, it's just fucking retarded. You know, I'm, I'm fed up with it. So anyway, if that bothers you, well, whatever, I don't really care. It's, this is just my opinion. You know, you, you're not obligated to agree with me, guys. So anyway, moving right along here, DC Legends of Tomorrow. I'm going to be polite and just say I really don't like DC Legends of Tomorrow. That may be the very most I should say, because anything else other than that really could offend some of you. So anyway, so all in all, I kind of regard the Arrowverse as a little bit of a, a little bit of a mixed bag. Arrow is okay. <clears throat> Arrow's okay. I can take it or I can leave it. I really don't care about it one way or the other. The Flash is great. I love it. Can't get enough of it. Supergirl... I probably care even less about Supergirl than I do about Arrow, which is really saying something. And then DC Legends of Tomorrow, I've seen a few episodes of it, and I don't plan to ever watch any more ever again. It's a waste of time. It's just fucking stupid. So, I mean, I guess if there's another mega crossover that features an episode of DC Legends of Tomorrow, I guess I've really got no choice but to watch it, but otherwise, no, don't don't count on me to ever watch another episode of DC Legends of Tomorrow, because it's probably not going to happen. So, moving on to other things. Uh, the Walking Dead. Um, I'm going to start with the comic book. I've pretty much given up on The Walking Dead as a comic. What I've, what I've really come to realize is 
The Walking Dead as an idea, you know, as a concept, it really did peak with The Walking Dead number 48, which, if you've never read it, you probably have some familiarity with what happened, like the events of of what happened in The Walking Dead number 48 based on what happened in, or at least what I presume happened in the TV show, which I'll circle back to in just a minute. But you probably have some idea of what that is, but just all the same, I think I'm going to go ahead and avoid spoilers. But those of you who are familiar with The Walking Dead, you know exactly what happened in The Walking Dead number 48. And I got to say, I think The Walking Dead basically peaked. You know, that... That whole storyline with the governor, that really was as good as it got. And then ever since then, it's like The Walking Dead has just been, and I speak again of the comic book here, The Walking Dead has just been kind of diminishing returns ever since, you know? It basically seems like the stories are variations on uh, Rick meets a, meets a group of people, they uh, fall in together, they find a place to live. Shit goes down. They can't live there anymore. They have to move on. And as they move on, a bunch of people die. Wash, rinse, repeat. You know? Now, don't get me wrong. The characters are exceedingly well-written. It's very easy to invest yourself in these characters and their struggles and their fears and really just their, their fight to survive, you know? in this crazy world they live in now. It's really easy to invest yourself in that story. But guys, you know, the the plots are basically kind of variations on one another. And it's it just gets kind of wearisome after a while that there's just not a whole lot of originality going on here, you know? And so, I don't know. It's... It bugs me, is the point. And it, I, I ended up just giving up. I, I want to say the last issue of The Walking Dead that I actually read was uh, issue number 106. And after that, I just kind of tuned out of The Walking Dead as a comic. As a TV show, it didn't take anywhere near that long. Basically, the second season is what did it for me. And basically, they spent week after laborious week looking for this little girl who has obviously gotten killed, okay? She has obviously won the Darwin Award, and she did this because she's a fucking moron. She should have stayed where she was, but she didn't. She ran off, and so she got herself killed, or she became a zombie, or whatever. And... Look, I can understand that there's a lot of dramatic potential that goes into the search for a lost child and all that stuff. But guys, I mean, after the fourth fucking week of looking for somebody who's obviously dead by this point, I just don't care anymore. And so I gave up watching The Walking Dead. Now, from the sounds of things, the show legitimately did get better. Beginning in the third season and then going forward, things really did improve, you know? But... It really is a case of too little too late, you know, because what ended up happening was the masses ended up falling in love with The Walking Dead. And you would see these Facebook posts sometimes when The Walking Dead was off season. 
and people would uh, share these retarded memes and whatnot, basically crying about, oh, the Walking Dead is gone. I wish it would come back. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, dude, The Walking Dead comes out every single month as a new comic book. You can get in on that anytime you want. Anytime you want. And you can get your fix that way. But no, God forbid somebody read a comic book. That's tawdry. I don't know. It's just fucking annoying. So, and the way that that show just got so hyped up after a certain, it's like, I think it was starting in season three that like wide audiences started getting into it and people just wouldn't shut the fuck up about it on Facebook. I'm one of those guys that you really shouldn't hype stuff up too much because to me, that's actually a turnoff. You know, if I hear too much about how awesome something is, I reach a point of saturation where I don't care how good it is anymore. I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. And so I'm, I'm going to avoid it just because at this point I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm sick of knowing about it, you know? And that's pretty much where I am now with The Walking Dead. So I've given up on the comic book because, like I say, I think the comic has kind of peaked. And then I just kind of got turned off the show, number one, by shit writing. I don't care what anybody says. That is shit writing. And then also just the way that people just would would just come all over themselves about it, you know, and how awesome this show is, and how you have to watch it and all this. It's just, just, no, leave me alone. So... Anyway, (sighs) moving right along, a Justice League trailer came out not all that long ago, and there's been some kind of mixed reactions about that all over Facebook. So, for me, what it really comes down to is two issues. The character that I am most concerned about is Superman, right? I'm a little nervous at this point about what's in store for Superman. You know, it's not like I have access to any kind of special secret spoiler information or anything like that. Basically, just going off of, like, rumors and just my own intuition, it seems logical that, you know, because of the fact that Henry Cavill is known to be in the Justice League movie, that's not spoiler information. We know he's in the movie. It stands to reason that Superman's probably coming back from the dead. And on the one hand, yeah, that relates to the comics and how cool that all is and, you know, whatever. But Clark Clark Kent is also shown to have died. He is known to have died, you know, in-universe. You know, as far as uh, people at the Daily Planet are, are concerned... They buried Clark Kent's body in Smallville, right? So it's one thing for Superman to come back from the dead. It's something else for Clark Kent to come back from the dead. And look, it's not like anybody knows for sure what's going to happen. I mean, this could go a bunch of different ways. But what I'm concerned about is that somebody involved in the DCEU basically wants to retire Clark Kent as a concept. They want they want this character to be Superman full-time. Only Superman and nothing more. You know, basically go full Thor with the character, 
where Thor is only Thor and he's nothing but Thor, they want the same thing for Superman. And that just fucking bothers me. You know, that really does. I don't like that. You know, Clark Kent is Superman and Superman is Clark Kent. No, now, no matter, no matter which of those halves you see as being dominant, Superman is Clark Kent and Clark Kent is Superman, right? You cannot separate the two, you know? And any attempt to do so, I don't think I even want to give that a day in court. You know, it's just such a bad fucking idea. I just don't see what it's even worth considering. You know what I mean? So, look, whatever. It's, it's like I say, it's not like I've got, you know, special inside information or spoilers or anything like that. I don't know anything. You know, I'm just afraid of where things may be going, you know? So there's that. And so I guess uh, somewhat because of that, you know, like related to that, the character that I'm really invested in at this point is, is Batman. And the reason for that is because I really loved the way that Batman was uh, uh, presented in Batman v Superman. That's Batman the way I've always wanted to see him done. Right now, again, I realize that's not necessarily like a universal, a universally held opinion that, you know, I'm not necessarily in consensus with everybody else. And you know what, whatever. But the reality is that's the way I've always wanted to see uh, Batman done in live action. Now, excuse me while I get a sip off of my Coke here. And you know what? I'm also going to take a drag off of my e-cig because I've been running my mouth here for over 45 minutes. And so anyway, just a sec. All right. So anyway, the way that Batman was done, like I say, in uh, Batman v Superman, that's the way that I've always wanted to see Batman done in live action, you know? And so because of that, that's really the character that I'm most invested in at this point, you know, primarily because, like I say, I'm so kind of like afraid of what's going or what may be going on with Superman. And so, you know, at this point, you know, the only thing that really looks positive to me, at least so far, is Batman. And so I really like the idea of giving Ben Affleck his own solo Batman movie. I like some of the uh, news that's come out about that. It just seems like really exciting to me. And, you know, for the first time since, I guess really since Val Kilmer was Batman, it's like, this is a Batman that I can personally invest in. You know, this is a Batman I can get behind. You know, I, I just, I love everything about about Batman as he is in, in Batman v Superman. And I want to see more of this character. You know, I just dig where this is all going, you know, with Batman. So anyway, it all sounds great to me. And it's actually for that reason that kind of don't really mind that we're going to be getting what sounds like minimal Superman in Justice League. Again, I don't have spoiler information, 
So if you're worried about spoilers, I can't possibly be spoiling anything because I don't fucking know anything. But anyway, so that's really the, the the part about this that I'm I'm most looking forward to. Now, the part that I'm probably least looking forward to, and you know what? Maybe I'll be shown to be wrong. But the part that I'm probably least looking forward to is The Flash. Because again, it all really goes back to The Flash TV show. I love Barry on The Flash TV show, right? And I really don't understand why it has to be Barry in the movies. I mean, it could have been Jay. It could have been it could have been Wally. Uh, it, it, it could have been, I don't know, uh, Johnny Quick or Jesse Quick. It could have been uh, Bart Allen. You know, hell, it could have been Max. You know, it could have been anybody. You know, I don't understand why it fucking had to be Barry. You know, it, it just seems to me that this... The comparison between Grant Gustin and what's his name from the move uh, from the movie, the comparisons are inevitable. All right, they are going to happen, and the fact is, a lot of people are already invested in in Grant Gustin, so it doesn't really make sense to set yourself up for uh, failure by making that kind of comparison inevitable. You know, so anyway, I don't know. I mean, again, I may be shown to be wrong. It's not like I've got a crystal ball or anything, but I just, I, I don't, I don't really get it. You know, I, I don't understand. So I don't understand why it had to be like this. So anyway, <sighs> that is probably enough said about the DCEU, at least for right now. Now, the other day I was having a conversation with, with Stacy, you know, and <clears throat> Basically, a, uh, I shouldn't, I don't think I want to be too specific here, but basically she and I know somebody um, who inherited millions of dollars because a family member died and that person was listed as the, as the only heir in the deceased person's will. And guys, we're not talking about like chump change here. I mean, it's like very close to like a hundred million dollars or something like that. I mean, it's a fuckload of money, right? And... You know, she and I kind of started, you know, going back and forth, like, you know, what would you do with that kind of money and all that? And I don't know. I mean, honestly, it, it's kind of hard to think, you know, like what what even is a hundred million dollars? You know, I mean, how could anybody possibly spend that much money? And even if you could, do you really want that much money? I mean, is that is it like good for you to have that much money? Uh, I don't know. So. But one of the ideas I had was uh, custom building a house. And, you know, I started thinking, you know, like, what would what would my dream house look like? You know, started thinking about that. And I came up with some ideas. Basically, I'd have a series of different themed rooms, right? First, there's the Star Wars room. Now, People can love the prequels or they can hate the prequels, but I thought the prequels, you know, maybe this is damning them with faint praise, but the very least I think we can all agree on is the prequels looked fucking amazing. Like there were some amazingly creative and inventive uh, designs that were used in, that were used in the prequels, you know, turned out so well. And probably my favorite uh, planet from the Star Wars pre, or maybe any of the Star Wars movies, to be honest with you, 
is uh, the city of Thede on the planet of Naboo, right? It has that kind of sort of Roman, kind of sort of Mediterranean uh, type of look to it as far as its design styles are concerned. And I thought, you know, that would look really cool as a uh, themed room, a Star Wars themed room. But when I really started thinking about it, you know, I want all of these themed rooms to be recognizable in some way. And one of the things that we all kind of have to admit about the prequels is that for as much as some of you may love them or for as much as some of you may hate them, there really aren't very many designs from the prequels that really that, that have stayed in the public consciousness, you know? Like if if you if you go up to the average person and you, and you start talking about the city of Feed, they probably won't have any fucking idea what you're talking about, right? So it's not for as beautiful as Naboo may be, it's not really recognizable, you know? So what I decided on was a Star Wars themed room based on Cloud City. And I mean the kind of sort of special edition of Cloud City where, you know, you have these expansive, or not expansive, but at the very least maybe a window that looks out onto the city. And I was going to have faux windows in there where it's basically a loop of animation of these floating buildings and these clouds and cloud cars driving by and all that stuff and basically have that set up as like a faux window and maybe even time it to like the time of day you know so if it's daytime outside you'll see daytime in your fake window or if it's nighttime outside you'll see nighttime in your fake window and all that and just overall I think that could be really cool you know really uh, a really fun thing to do you know so that was gonna be my move Next, I was going to have a uh, Lord of the Rings room. Now, here again, I had a couple of different ideas on like what the room might be. And I was originally starting to think think about um, the Green Dragon Inn, where all of the, all of the hobbits hang out and party, and uh, Sam uh, uh, falls in love with What's-Her-Face and all that. And that's really cool. I like it. But... It's not necessarily recognizable as Lord of the Rings. Bag End, on the other hand, that that is recognizable as Lord of the Rings. And so I thought, well, if you could have a room that's basically Bag End, at least as we see it in Fellowship of the Ring, you know, or really all of the movies, that could be a lot of fun. You know, uh, basically, that could be like the master bedroom, right? So you've got... Cloud City, which is a guest room, and now you have uh, Bag End, that's the master bedroom, and I just think that's really cool, you know? I I would love to have something like Bag End, you know? Uh, that That's... I like the round door, I just kind of like the rustic kind of aesthetic of it, you know? I just think that's a cool fucking place, you know? I can't really move to the Shire, but maybe I can bring part of the Shire to me if I have a hundred million dollars that I don't know what to do with. So, anyway, so there's that. Next up, the kitchen. Uh, basically, I was going to go kind of basic with that and basically do a replica of the Simpsons kitchen. You know, so basically, uh, you know, a paint job that's basically all of the, those kind of pastel sort of candy colors from the show, uh, from the Simpsons, and I basically just do that in the kitchen. 
but only in the kitchen. Next, I was going to have a Star Trek room, and I basically, the way it worked in my mind was I could have an upstairs den and basically do it up to look like the bridge of the Enterprise D. And the reason I would, I would settle on the Enterprise D is because, you know, a lot of people have, have built replicas of the bridge of the uh, uh, original series uh, Enterprise in their homes and whatnot. And so it's not necessarily cool anymore to have something like that. But the bridge of the Enterprise D, it's still recognizably Star Trek, but a little bit different. You know, I have like L-Cars displays and, and all of that uh, set up. And, uh, you know, basically the forward monitor is actually just a TV, and that's how you watch TV in the upstairs den and all that. And I don't know. I mean, I think that could be a lot of fun. So anyway, next I was going to have a Superman room. And this actually, again, I was going to go kind of basic with this and basically do it up to look like the Daily Planet basement set from uh, Smallville, the TV show. And because I, I just I really like that design style for the Daily Planet. I thought, you know, using something like that as a home office, that could be a lot of fucking fun, you know? So that would that would actually be my move. You know, I, I, I would want it to look as much like the Daily Planet set from Smallville as I possibly could. And I just, I just dig that set. I mean, there's really nothing I can put on the other side of it. I just dig that set. Next up is the Iron Man room, quote unquote. And for that, that was basically going to be my garage. And I was going to uh, set that up to look like uh, Tony Stark's workshop. And, you know, maybe not have like the fancy cars and stuff like that in there. You know, because honestly, what do you get? What, what does anybody really do with like the fancy cars that uh, Tony Stark has, right? I mean, things like that, they're antiques. And so it almost... It almost doesn't make sense to ever drive them, ever. And if you're not going to drive them, why have them, you know? So, but otherwise, you know, basically do it up like a, a Tony Stark's workshop in uh, the first Iron Man movie. And I think that could be a shit ton of fun myself. So, anyway. That, and, and that, those are really all the ideas that I had. I mean, I, I, I assume there would be other rooms besides those, but those are really the... Uh, the main ideas that I had. In the impossible event that I ever have a hundred million dollars I don't know what to do with, there you go. So, anyway. Now, to turn to something that's maybe a little bit less pleasant, I guess. Guys, I launched this show uh, back in August of 2013. And the promise that I made to you guys is every week there's going to be a new show. There's going to be a new show, a new episode of Trinus Magnus Punches Reality coming out every single week. I mean, you can count on it. It's going to be there every Tuesday, you know? And guys, this is episode 200. I have never missed a single week. I have consistently released a new episode of at least one new episode of my show every single week. And I'm really kind of proud of it. You know, I think that's kind of an achievement. I'm not taking shots at anybody else because I know that, you know, a lot of podcasters, guys, life stuff just it sometimes comes along and just eats their sack lunch. Okay? I understand that. And so I'm not insulting anybody, I'm not mocking anybody, I'm just saying that, you know, 
the way that I structured this show, by always recording shit pretty far ahead of time, really has paid off in terms of, I guess, meeting the promise that I made you guys that this show is going to be released on a weekly basis and you can set your watch to it, you know? But guys, this is episode 200. You know, I have done it now, you know, and I've done it 200 times. I've never missed a week before. I've proven that I can do this, you know, and so where I'm going with this is to say that, you know, I don't know if any of you are going to be all that upset about this or what, but starting with episode 201 and then going forward, I don't necessarily guarantee a, 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 weekly, a weekly release anymore. I mean, if I can do it, I will, but I don't necessarily guarantee that anymore, you know? And the reason is because, you know, guys, life stuff is starting to happen with me. And, you know, I've had a good run. I've really enjoyed it. And I'm going to continue podcasting. But the fact is, I don't necessarily continue my promise anymore that I'm going to continue releasing new episodes of my podcast every single week. You know, and it's just this, that's just the hand that I've been done, you know. I was talking a minute ago about how some podcasters, through no fault of theirs, haven't really been able to uh, meet a a weekly release schedule. And again, that was no reflection on them, it's just life happened to me. And now, life is happening to me. And so, I I, I can't necessarily promise you guys that I'm going to be here for you every single week. Not anymore, you know? And so that's not good. That's not bad. It's, it's just, like I say, that's just the hand that, that we've been dealt. And so, you know, that's just something that I want you guys to be cognizant of. So anyway, speaking of which, I want to take this opportunity to thank every single one of you, whether you've just tuned in for the first time or if you've been here literally since episode one, or whatever your story with my show might be, I want to thank every single one of you who invite me into your house every single week to listen to me talk about comics or talk about some TV show or a movie that I've seen or just whatever it is. I want to take the time to thank all of you for accepting me. You know? The support that I've gotten from my listeners has... It's really meant a lot, you know, and guys, you need to understand, when I started this show, between views from the long box, just one of the guys, and two true freaks, I thought that those are the guys that are, they've got the majority of podcast subscribers, they're going to be the ones that have the biggest audience, and so on, on the best day I ever had, the most I can hope for is maybe five or six listeners, and that's it, you know? That's the best case scenario. And what has actually happened 
is, and I'm not going to give you specific numbers or anything like that, but I'm one of the more popular shows on the entire Two True Freaks podcast network. And that happened because you guys listened to me. And I want you to know that I appreciate that on the one hand. But on the other hand, you need to understand, I didn't exactly plan for that. You know, I walked into this thing expecting to be a small fish in a, in a, a small pond, you know? This show, I didn't originally plan for this to be as successful as it's been, is what I'm saying. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't planning for things to be this big, but here we are anyway, you know? So, what I want you guys to know is that I, I value the support that you guys have had, uh, that, that, that you've given me. I value, you know, the loyalty that you've shown, you know, the, uh, like I say, inviting me into your house week after week and, you know, listening to me just run off at the mouth about whatever is on my mind at that moment. You know, I really appreciate each and every one of you. And I'm sorry that I, you know, going forward, I'm, I'm probably am going to break this promise of a guaranteed uh, weekly release. You know, I'm sorry about that. I really am. But, like I say, these are the circumstances that life has given me. And so I just have to, I just, I, I've got to make the most of it, you know. And so, hopefully this isn't going to be too big of a disappointment to any of you. Hope, In fact, if anything, hopefully most of you won't even know the difference. And for others of you, I mean, I know it's, it's easy to get behind with podcasts. So maybe this will give you a chance to get caught up, you know make it easier for you uh, to get caught up on, you know, episodes that you've missed and all that, and, you know, we can be back in sync with each other once again, so, I don't know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for, so, anyway, and that, I think, is basically it for episode 200, so, once again, I just want to thank every single one of you for taking the time to listen to me in general, but certainly also this week, and I think that's pretty much it for me this week, so... Bye, everybody. I will see you next week.